0: Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's say the collect together. Almighty God, whose blessed Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Mercifully give us faith to perceive that, according to his promise, he abides with his church on earth, even to the end of the ages. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting, amen.
1: Who is reading the first reading, Amar? Um, I have not asked anybody. Um, uh, completely forgot about it, That's this. Okay. <coughs> So So um, Donald, would you be kind enough? Yes, Donald Aliyah.
0: First reading from Acts 1, chapter 1, 1 to 11. And Donald, would you please read the the first reading.
2: In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After having given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promised Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. While he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up to heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from heaven, start again. This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven.
1: Thanks be to God. Thank you. Um, the gospel reading will be read by beth
3: thank you luke chapter 24 verses 44 to 53 then he said to them these are my words that i spoke to you while i was still with you that everything written about me in the law of moses the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures And he said to them thus it is written that the messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from jerusalem you are witnesses of these things and see i am sending upon you what my father promised
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you. Now it is our time for reflection and discussion. So before I do that, I just wanna say that I wanna thank all of you, uh, those who have been praying for me. I was supposed to have surgery today on my back, but because I have no pain, uh, from the fracture that I uh, had, um, I post, I canceled actually the, the surgery. I'm very thankful to God. I don't have pain. And, uh, and, um, um, and so I'm grateful. I'm grateful to God and to all those who have been praying for me. Um, uh, today is Ascension Day and, uh, I don't think it is um, very uh, it it doesn't seem like this feast is very important in the life of the of the for many people in the Christian community. I don't know many of you. I know many of you have visited Jerusalem um, and I don't know how many of you, for example, visited that place of the ascension. On Mount Mount of Olives, you know. But you know, it's a it's a very modest structure, uh, and from, from the times of the Crusades, it became it became a trust, uh, a Muslim trust. So it is really under Muslim control, and uh, uh, and some people go in and and they see a slab and the footprint on the on the floor uh, signifying jesus footprint before he ascended to heaven Um, and some people believe that that's uh, that's the place where the ascension had taken place Uh, but you know and then people talk and and the And the New Testament talks about that Jesus, uh, after his resurrection, um, spent 40 40 days with the the disciples. And it's very interesting because in the Gospel of John, the Ascension uh, took place immediately after the resurrection. Uh, While in Luke, The imagery is close to Acts, which we read in the reading a few minutes ago, but no mention about the 40 days. In Matthew, there is no mention about the 40 days. Um, Jesus um, uh, was in Galilee with the disciples on a mount and he gave them the great commission and told them, to go and make disciples of all nations and to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, But there is nothing, no mention about the 40 days. In Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark, the Ascension is not even mentioned in the the first part of the Gospel. It was later added, according to what scholars tell us, Because Mark, uh, scholars say it's only from uh, chapter 16 verses one to eight and then what came after that was later added there. So the number 40, as many of you know, is not really an exact number. It is usually, uh, uh, it's it's a long period of time in those days, like many times we say, I was there for a month. You know, you don't mean exactly a month, you know, you could, for, and, and so people in the first century or in, in those days, when they say uh, Jesus was in the wilderness or the, the, the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness. And uh, when the flood came in Genesis, for 40 days, uh, uh, the rain came down um, uh, for 40 days. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, I mean, it could be 40 days, but uh, it is the, the, the number itself is not a, something that is, uh, uh, is used specifically, uh, but uh, approximately in that sense, you know. Uh, and it is not, we shouldn't always take it literally in that sense. In the Apostles' Creed, when we talk about the ascension, the Apostles' Creed, we read that Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And in the Nicene Creed uh, is added and his kingdom will have no end. Uh, but you know, when I look at, if I survey the story of Jesus' life on earth, uh, and this is something all of us know, uh, we we believe that Jesus came to our world or God sent Jesus Christ to our world. Uh, he was born as a regular Human being, in Bethlehem, He took upon us, upon Himself our full humanity. We read in the Gospel of John, "The Word became flesh, and dwelt among us." And we we refer to this as the incarnation. Uh, God came to us in great humility. He was born in poverty, not in riches. And Jesus, as far as we know, um, lived about 33 years. His public ministry, scholars tell us, was about three and a half years only. And his main focus was the kingdom of God. Although he and his friends were living under the Roman empire, Jesus taught his disciples that God's kingdom uh, uh, is uh, is the important is that God's kingdom is what is important. And in by implication, he contrasted that with the Roman empire that they were living under. The word kingdom and empire in the Greek language in which the new Testament was written are the same thing. So you can say the kingdom of, of uh, uh, the kingdom of uh, Rome or the empire of Rome. Uh, the kingdom of God or, uh, or the empire of God, uh, just, just as a reference. So Jesus uh, in his life on earth, he talked about um, um, not uh, ab- about human kingdoms, he talked about God's kingdom, God's power of love in contrast with the human power of violence and revenge. He loved his friends to the extent that he laid down his life for them. He critiqued the political and religious powers of his day. He spent most of his ministry among the poor, the needy, the sick people uh, in the villages and towns of Palestine, especially in Galilee. He was accused of breaking the religious laws and regulations of his day. He was accused of blasphemy and was condemned to death by the political and religious leaders of his day. But God, we believe God raised him from the dead. God vindicated Jesus in the resurrection, in his resurrection. He was considered by the church. He was the prototype the ideal person, uh, the real human, uh, the authentic human being. He, for for many of us, he was the blueprint. You know, he emphasized service and uh, service of others, not domination of others. Love, not hate. Forgiveness, not revenge. Sharing with other people, not the greed. Contrary to the culture of his day, He respected, valued and honored women, the women at Jacob's well, the women who followed him and spent their money uh, to to support his ministry. Mary Magdalene, who was the first to witness the resurrection. uh, Jesus went about doing good. And then at the end, after his resurrection, uh, the time came, that uh, he appeared to his disciples. And then we read that he ascended to be with God in heaven. The Ascension is his exaltation and glorification. The Ascension brought closure to Jesus, to Jesus earthly ministry, uh, to his life on earth. And he went to be with God. Using our human language, the only language we have actually, the church used different words to describe what Jesus does or Jesus' work in heaven. So let me just read a few things that we look at, we see in the uh, in the in the Gospels, um, in the New Testament. You know, uh, so. Um, So as I mentioned, the ascension signaled the end of Christ's earthly ministry uh, that started in Bethlehem um, and then finally uh, uh, went back to God. So it's like a full circle, you know, in that sense. But then the church said that, um, uh, that Jesus went to heaven to prepare a place for us. Uh, We we read, he is our mediator, intercessor, our high priest in heaven. He sits on the right hand of God, the place of honor and authority. He is the head of the church. Uh, He is the giver of spiritual gifts to all of us. He will, and it also says, he will come again to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. These are all words that the early church used to describe the work of the ascended Christ. But the New Testament expressed all these things in the language of the first century, pre-scientific world view. Where is heaven? Is it up or is it down? Where is up and where is down scientifically? For some people, they feel comfortable to accept these words literally. For others, it is important for us to translate to translate these words that we read about the ascension uh, to people who are living in a different worldview today. We are in the space age. Uh, how do we maintain our faith? You know, when people are trying to make sense of all these words, what does the ascension mean to you and me? What is its significance to our faith? Uh, I, uh, I want to, Omar, I think you have under this, um, or Drawers, uh, there is a prayer that I put there, a couple of things that I added there. I want to read it. Could you just um, go down? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So, for example, look at this prayer uh, that in in the prayer book that we have. Um, Trying to, you know, that's the way they said about the ascension. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that as we believe your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to have ascended into heaven so we may also in heart and mind there ascend and with him continually dwell who lives and reigns with you and the holy spirit one god forever and ever amen i also found um, you know i'm sure many of you know about uh, uh, thomas uh, thomas merton uh, he's uh, um he he is a theologian, uh, we have his books. Uh, he's a, a person, um, a mystic, uh, he has written quite a bit um, and he's a, well, he was a social activist and so on. But for Thomas Merton, a, a person who, who was very much uh, a contemplative person, Look what he says about the ascension. This is the grace of ascension, to be taken up into the heaven of our own souls, the point of immediate contact with God, to rest on this quiet peak, to live there through all trials and all business with the tranquil God who makes all things tranquil. so, uh, um, so this is a a mystic, a, a contemplative person who sees the ascension in a different way. How do we understand it? Uh, 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 now, uh, let me. Uh, so, what does, again, what does the ascension of Christ mean to us today? But you know, in a crisis like we are facing now in Palestine, Israel, with all the killings, with all the, uh, with all that's happening, um, some people might get a wrong message of the ascension. It's like as if God has left us. Christ has left us. Uh, uh, God has abandoned us and in any way. You know, many people think in, term, in terms of war and the killings and and uh, and uh, whatever. You know that uh, they feel where is where is God in this? You know, uh, so in times of crisis, we really need God with us, not in heaven. We need Christ with us, next to us. Uh, I, um, um, uh, in our struggle in our fight uh, in our uh, um, uh, struggle against injustice against evil against sin um, so um, this is today uh, the struggle is on earth, not in heaven and and so I I really would like us to see how we can uh, interpret, the ascension today, Christ has not left us. He comes to us in in the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's with us all the time. He he knows our need for his power, the power of love, the work that we really need to do in the conflict over Palestine. All these things are very important. And these are some of the things that... um, we are wrestling, we need to wrestle with, where the ascension and what it meant, what it means literally, and yet what it means also uh, for us today spiritually, actively in our struggle for justice, for peace today on earth. So let me stop here and just uh, uh, and ask the question again. What does the ascension of Christ Mean to you? What is its significance? How do you how do you take these words written in the first century and make sense of them today in the twenty first century? I'll stop here and turn to you, and uh, and Omar. Let's begin our discussion.
1: Um. Thank you, Sis. Um. By now, for the for, um, I see that there's newcomers today. Um, you could either raise your hand um, virtually, virtually or electronically. Um, if your camera is on, I hope to spot you and help, um, and give you a chance. What we usually do is grant people once, um, uh, at least once, to speak. If there's not many people contributing, we'll allow it for more people. Um, Betty. Please unmute yourself.
4: Sorry. Reading from Teresa Avila, she says, "Christ has no hands, but our ours." Um, it just clicked away. Sorry. Anyway, her she is she was another mystic like Merton in her own time and she said Christ has no hands but ours Christ has no feet but ours Christ has no uh, voice but ours here on earth and so that endows us as human beings with a special ability to be God to those people who are around us and it's such a big mandate uh, that it's very hard to actually be that in all situations, but um, that remains our challenge. And right now, for those of you who are in the situation that um, the political upheaval has brought upon you people, you really are God's hands and feet and voice.
0: And my prayer is with you.
1: Thank you, Betty. And
5: Dan. Ah, uh, yes. I'm. I'm thinking of um, sort of back to the, the kingdom and the ascension. Um, as it means the the end of the time on earth, it means maybe the beginning of the trying to bring about the, the kingdom of God. And I don't have anything profound to add, but it's just that I keep remembering uh, Martin Luther King speaking of beloved community and how um, that reminds me of the same concept as the kingdom of God. And I'm also thinking uh, in these times of um, you know home demolitions and all of the all of the land confiscation, evictions, and I mean in addition to, to the physical violence, all the structural violence. And back when um, Atta Jabber, uh, a farmer um, in, uh, in the Baca Valley right near, near Hebron, um, back when members of the Israeli Committee Against House Demolitions was Amos Gevertz and and Jeff Halper and a number of other people when they visited and people sat around a tent, Atta had brought together other families facing demolition. Atta used the term beloved community when he talked about that circle of people in in the tent, which was internationals, Israelis, Muslims, Christians, and Jews. So that's what I'm thinking about right now.
0: Thanks, Diane. Dorothy? Just very similar
6: to what's just been said. Um, Jesus himself said that he had to go to heaven, return to his heavenly father, that we might have the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus was located, wasn't he, in Palestine but now the Holy Spirit is located throughout the earth. Um, Just to say, I pray for a miracle, really, you know, um, and for the action of the Holy Spirit in Palestine, that in this current conflict, maybe something more permanent that's good might come out of it. And I think so many people in the world are praying. And I think you've done a great job because, Uh, Most people do know now about the situation in Palestine and uh, I think even the powers that be are starting to reflect as well. So, But anyway, that was what it was, that Jesus had to go to heaven so that the Holy Spirit could work throughout the earth. Thank you.
0: Thank you,
1: Dorothy. Um, I will take the opportunity to speak. Um, Actually, I have to confess that for my previous uh, years, when I when this is this text is read in church or I've read it on my own in a Bible study, I think of it more as um, as a Bible study as a fairy tale. You know, it is the ascension. Um, Jesus goes um, up to the heaven, and then um, what really caught my attention um, is that how the disciples. Um, verse fifty-two, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. And in a way, as if we, you know, people had the wonderful life-changing experience, and they go to ch- and start going back to church and and worshiping joyfully. But that wasn't the case in the twenty-first. Uh, I mean, in the first century, we know of Jesus challenging in the temple, um, uh, turning the tables in the temple. We know that it's um, Um, Many people conspired under the temple, we know uh, inside the temple um, against Jesus and his disciples. We also know that um, there was a persecution from the book of Acts of the early worshipers. So instead of just reading as if they were going into a very joyful place or a place of worship in the 21st century in a Christian country, they were going into trouble. Because I'm sure when people saw them, it's like how they identified Peter and um, the rest of the disciples during the time of crucifixion. They identified that these were the people of Christ and things got worse with the news of the resurrection and Jesus appearing to many and um, things changing. And I see this as a direct way of nonviolence, violence um, that people are going to the place of trouble, which is the temple. And um, because this is where most of the theological debates were happening at that time or where the traditional theology has been protected. And they were going and um, worshiping God with great joy. And you know, you see this in Jerusalem today. And um, when people are getting arrested, they're smiling. When people are demonstrating, it's more as if it's a party. Um, during the nonviolent um, uh, demonstrations in Al-Aqsa Mosque or at uh, Damascus Gate, or during the holy um, Saturday parade, um, people were um, people are doing it with joy, and I think that there is something very um, um, uh, that is happening today in Jerusalem, very much resembling what happened two thousand years ago um, in Jerusalem.
0: Thanks,
1: Omar. Um, Joyce.
7: Sorry, it's me again. Um... When we start talking about the Ascension, it's so much in picture language, which was the only way they had of expressing their ideas. Um, And so it was in England for a long time. There is a church in Fairford, which is sort of, it's Gloucestershire, it's the south of the Cotswolds. And in that church, there is a window, a picture window. And there are three or four apostles standing there, looking slightly confused and looking up. And there, below the clouds, are two feet. Christ is on his way. But the two feet sticking out, just to show that that's where he's gone, I think is delightful. Picture language again. That was all they had. For me, God is not a person. He is an essence. God, he, I'm doing it. God is an essence. And the essence of God is love. For me, personally. Um, And I can remember as a a small child being confused by the number of people who must be praying for him all over, praying to him from all over the world. How How can I expect God to hear my little prayer when he's got all these millions of other people to listen to as well? and so that was a mystery to me when i was little but again i was thinking in picture language i don't think i do now um i think jesus's life on earth was to show us god's what god's love really is um that it is nonviolent uh, and non, well, sometimes it is provocative, but you know what I mean. It's it's um, in essence, it's, it's 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 trying to demonstrate to people what God's love really is, and to me the ascension is being aware of this, these clouds of witnesses, which go right the way around the world. OK, they're denser in some parts than others, but they go right the way around the world. Um, and when we die and we've left our bodies behind, I know it says we shall rise in the body, but I'm afraid um, That isn't how I see it. Um, But one of the prayers in the Methodist church for somebody who has died is to say, may they rest in peace and rise in glory. So rising up into, into God's love. Don't know whether that helps anybody else, but it helps me.
0: Thank you.
8: i um, Bishop Anthony. Hello. Um, well, first of all, I, I'm here in the United States, uh, and I, I'm in a hospital setting. Um, so my, my heart breaks for what I'm seeing in the news and what's uh, the conflict that's going on, the warring that's going on, and especially for the, the children who have been killed. And um, my heart aches for that. I, regarding the ascension and and what we've been exploring here, um, what jumps out at me from the Acts passage is uh, the the two the two that uh, appeared in white robes and said to uh, they said men of Galilee why do you stand looking upward to heaven? Um, you know I I've been in ministry a very long time and. Uh, I, I often wonder why we spend so much time on non-essential things when we need to really focus you know maybe we're gazing up and you know the it's it's we get caught up in the um, awe and trying to understand things that maybe God doesn't necessarily need for us to understand uh, so you know God has given us uh, the the word you know, instilled in us through the teachings of Christ, and um, you know, we do have the power, as God's people, to make change and to live as uh, lovers of all people uh, throughout the world. But for some reason, we choose not to, as as a people. Um, but we can each set an example. Uh, I was outside in front of the hospital here earlier. We planted a peace pole with eight different languages that says it says may peace prevail on earth so we put that pole in the ground uh, about two weeks ago and today we dedicated it um, just about an hour ago and it was it was a very moving moment and we did uh hold in prayer the people of palestine and as well the people of israel that peace would prevail so I, I guess I'll sum it up by saying I'm a friar also. I'm a, a follower of St. Francis and my community, uh, Franciscan Community of Reconciliation. And St. Francis, it, it, it's attributed to him. Not He didn't say this specifically, but he said it in a way throughout his writings that we are to preach at all times and when necessary, use words. Um, so, you know, a lot of this... Um, it has to do with our living. We can't, we can't sit around and, and be staring up at heaven, as these men told uh, the, the apostles there. Why are you looking, looking upward to heaven? Well, you know, in my mind, that's saying, don't be idle. Don't sit around. You use your, your voice. It has power. It, you know, speak to people that are in power, that can make change. That's what Jesus did, you know, if we're going to follow him. And sometimes that's scary. Sometimes that's dangerous. Sometimes it makes us uncomfortable, um, but I think that's what our calling is. So I appreciate being here today and I hope to be able to join more often. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Linda.
0: I take the
5: risk of being (laughs) repetitious, but it is true the sentence that has always stood out to me in this reading is, "Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking up? Jesus will be with you. Carry on." And speaking with a friend just earlier this morning, we focusing on the significance of this. Um, reading and message that from this point on, Jesus, the Christ is not in the here and now, but everywhere and always.
0: Thank you, Linda.
9: Um, John? Uh, thank you, friends. Uh, my heart is breaking also for the outbreak of, of violence and the, uh, the, the passing of uh, the, the, the red lines for both sides. Uh, this passage from Acts verse six is so controversial in Christian circles. Um, this statement of will you restore the kingdom the dominance of the Israeli state, Allah, David. Uh, This is such a key passage in my view. And when Jesus answers it in a a way that seems like, well, yeah, you're right about that. It's going to be restored, but but you don't know, and I don't know the time for that. But that's, you know, that's, that's the way the Christian Zionists interpret it. They say, oh, by the way, now that Israel is a, is a state, uh, the times are here. Uh, and so it seems to me they miss verse eight, which is on the contrary, on the contrary, that's not what I'm interested in. You will receive power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the world about forgiveness of sins, repentance, and the need to proclaim to all nations. So I, I think that uh, we need that power now to stay in the city and to go beyond the city, uh, to raise up the, uh, the good news that God's love is for all people, all nations, people in all nations. And I join with, with Seville and with Kairos. I, I, I represent uh, Kairos, West Michigan, um, in collaboration with Mark Braverman and a whole lot of people in the Kairos movement, to pray and try to to embody in our own situations the love that God has for everyone and that He treats people without partiality, without favoritism. And I join with all of you. I join with all of you in wanting to uh, embody uh, this. This good news for all of us during this time of, uh, of outbreak. I'm sorry. That should do it. Thank you. Thank you, John, for
0: bringing this up. Thank you, Paul. Yes,
10: thank you, uh, Omar. First, um, John just stole a little bit of my thunder. <laughs> He's exactly spot on about the uh, the kingdom of Israel text. Uh, but I'd like to expand it a little bit because the Acts 1 text has both an implicit warning and a task. And John spoke to the task and the warning. Um, Naeem's helpful message in the beginning spoke about Jesus' central message as the kingdom of God. And indeed it was. So in, in, Luke, in Acts, the writer Luke also wrote in Luke 4, his understanding of the kingdom of God as this inclusive community that knows no boundaries, not because it conquers all the world's empires, but because it's not that kind of an empire. The, the kingdom of God is a different kind of kingdom than the kingdom of Rome. Yet the disciples still at the time of Jesus' ascension, they don't get it. And they say the kingdom of Israel. So they've equated Jesus' message of the kingdom of God with the kingdom of Israel. And I take that as a warning to us today, how quickly we can make the message of Jesus our message, whether it's a particular church or denomination or ideology, um, the kingdom of God is greater than any of these things. And then, and that's the, the warning to us in the 21st century. The task is, just as John pointed out, to be the witnesses of Jesus, and that's not to be... Uh, hagiography, where we just uh, speak how wonderful Jesus is, but to actually carry his message of the kingdom. It's inclusiveness, it's nonviolence, it's love, it's forgiveness. Um, we're always going to make mistakes, just as the disciples did about the kingdom, saying the kingdom of, equating the kingdom of Israel with the kingdom of God. Okay, but focus on the message of Jesus, this inclusive community of care, uh, equality, uh, and forgiveness. Um, so this the text is important, and I appreciate Naeem's uh, amplification of the different ways it can be interpreted, yet still focusing on the kingdom of God. Thanks.
9: Thanks, Paul.
6: I, I want to follow what the previous speaker spoke. I feel the Ascension is really a proclamation for us all, believers, as he said, to be witnesses for what Jesus came for. And if we... We see the ascension as a way of his farewelling himself, going back to his father, and yet giving us a mission to expand his his message and his lifestyle, which is justice and repentance and forgiveness in this world of evil.
1: thanks ra um valery you had your hands up
3: Sorry, I think that was a mistake. I didn't uh, intend to have my hand up. Apologies.
2: Um, Donald. Thank you. I was thinking about this, uh, Matter in which we think of our faith in pictures or we use pictures to try to express what we believe. And I was thinking about this idea of the apostles staring up into heaven. Um, And I wondered whether the picture that St. John in the book of the Revelation gives of uh, Jesus as part of the Godhead is quite remarkable to me that picture of the lamb that looks as though it's been slain right there in the center of the throne of God and I think that for me at least that was their attempt to try to describe how they felt that they saw God, how they pictured God Um, and I, I think it's a very interesting picture, an extraordinary picture. I and mean, there have been attempts to de- depict the picture. None of them are terribly satisfactory, I don't think, because it's ineffable, of course. But the basic thing seems to me that uh, John was trying to describe what it meant that Jesus was integral to god that god is as he is in jesus and that he's always with us and especially with those who who are going through a time of struggle and suffering that that seems to me to be the message why have we got a, a sheep on the throne of god who is is wounded so god is 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 Participates in the wounding and the humiliation and all that, not not as an event that happened, you know, once upon a time in Palestine, but is something, someone who stands by everybody who who finds themselves having to go through uh, struggle and pain and, and, um, yes, fighting. Non-violent fighting. I mean, that seems to me the message. Uh, they, presumably, that picture emerged during a time when Christians felt themselves still suffering the sufferings of Christ, and they were up against this massive empire, but they wanted to depict that this great empire, that's a very helpful word you use there name, this empire of God was on a quite different Basis, and and uh, those who uh, become its citizens are, are likely to find they're struggling and hurting, and that's that's that he's with us. I, I think it's a fantastic picture. That's all I wanted to say.
0: Mm. Thank you, Donald.
1: Thank you, Paul. Paul? Me? Yeah, you have your hand up.
11: I do, yes. I'm sorry. I heard the word Owen. Awesome. Uh, when I was struggling to come to terms with kingdom, reign of God, emperor of empire of God a few years ago, scripture folks in the know, at least from their perspective, led me to Romans 14, chapter uh, verse 17. A privilege of yours must not be allowed to give rise to harmful talk. For it is not eating and drinking that make the kingdom of God, but the saving justice, the peace and the joy brought by the Holy Spirit. It is the person who serves Christ in these things that will be approved by God and respected by everyone. So then let us be always seeking the ways which lead to peace and the ways in which we can support one another. Do not wreck the kingdom for the sake of food. Romans.
0: That's beautiful, Paul. Thank you.
1: Um, John.
9: Uh, thank you. I'm sorry to, to break in again, but uh, I, I had to come late for the meeting. Uh, Naeem, did you reveal anything that's going on in uh, Jerusalem or at Sabeel headquarters uh, in the Jerusalem area about uh, the the violence that's breaking out in the country? I'm sorry, I missed it. Uh, Have you given an update on it?
0: I think Omar, who lives there, I live in the States now, but Omar, I think mentioned something about what's happening today. And maybe we can say more uh, after the service, when we have, uh, uh, we, everybody unmutes, you know, maybe we can talk about some of the experiences that we hear about, uh, about what's happening. It is getting much worse. And the situation is, is, is very uh, dangerous to say, the, to say the least. Yeah.
9: I would like to learn more. Yes.
1: Um, to be as um, um concise as possible, um, f- since a week um or two weeks there has been um, an escalation in violence. Mainly, it started um um at Sheikh Jarrah because there are fifty families who are um are under threat of getting evicted, and then tensions were also in in the old city and especially in Al Aqsa Mosque. The escalation of violence um, started a movement mainly by young people in Jerusalem, just not to um, resist. And this really inspired different areas um, around the country, whether in, in the West Bank or inside Israel. And as tensions grew in Al-Aqsa Mosque, this really sparked um, um, demonstrations all around the country. Then unfortunately, although they were mainly started as nonviolent, violence caught in. Um, then Hamas started uh, sending out rockets, which is further escalating the violence. And today, um, the situation is very scary. For some of you who have been in Hebron, Hebron was known to be the most tense place in the country because um, in the midst of Palestinian neighborhoods, Israeli settlers. We're living, and um, they're going to be very extremist and violent and creating many problems. Today, it seems that the whole country is Hebron, um, even Arab towns or mixed towns inside Israel. Um, every street has become Hebron um, attacks um, on Palestinian stores. Palestinians attack Israeli stores, schools. Um, Mosques are being burned, churches are being attacked, synagogues um, are being attacked. It feels more like a civil war. Um, um, There's a growing incidence of lynchings um, in the streets. Um, Nobody is really differentiating between um, children, young people, lots of, it's a very scary time to be um, um, in the Holy Land. Um, It's very sad, Uh, it's a very sad time. Although some people feel very optimistic because they see lots of resistance. Uh, it used to be Palestinian homes getting demolished, farmers being beaten up, um, workers being arrested or um or shot at. Um, it was one sided violence, mainly Palestinians um taking um the higher um paying the higher price. Today it's, some people feel inspired because they see that the people are saying no, this is unacceptable. Unfortunately, many of us are trying to keep it non-violence. We're trying to do as much as we can, but it's honestly out of everybody's control. Um, Even just before coming into the meeting, somebody leaked a meeting um, in a Ludd City, the municipality meeting. It's a very far right uh, municipality inside Israel. And the people who are elected members of the municipality are saying, we need to bring armed settlers into the city. This is their plan, and it's, uh, civilians. And it's better to convince the Arabs to remain at the house or they will pay a high price. Imagine that this is happening, I mean, um, in the Lid, one of the major bigger cities close to Ben-Gurion Airport um, and very close to Tel Aviv. The things are very scary
0: thank you omar maybe it's it's time for us to uh, to end our time of uh, discussion uh, is that um, do you have any 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 person omar waiting to to speak or sh- shall we uh, close the time of discussion
1: um i haven't seen um no to to the best of my knowledge no there isn't anybody okay
0: i think i think it's time to spend More, our time in prayer at this time. Thank you. So we'll go to the wave of prayer. Thank you for, thank you to all who participated in the discussion, Uh, those who spoke and those who did not speak. Um, Thank you all, Uh, because there is so much to reflect on. In one sense, um, we are driven by the words, the literal words to place our minds and thinking about um, and hopes and dreams and uh, ascend to heaven with Christ. At the, at the same time, we are pulled down also by the reality of living in this world and by the, and by the sin and violence and injustice that we feel around us, so uh, we continue. We will continue to remain faithful to Christ in our work of nonviolence and in spreading the love and the power of God uh, to all people. The power of love of God. So let us let's begin now our time of prayer with. Uh, uh, with the, uh, at this time, so Omar,
1: please. This week's Kumi Now online gathering looked at the U.S. support for Israel. The U.S. is providing vast amounts of military aid, uh, military and economic aid to Israel. Israel is using that aid to oppress Palestinians with impunity. Next week's Kumi Now will look at the ongoing Nakba. For Palestinians, Saturday, the 15th of May, will be the day we commemorate the catastrophe of the Nakba, when thousands of Palestinians were forced to flee their homes. Present day Israeli policies sustain a co- co- coercive environment which gives many Palestinians no option but to leave their homes and communities.
12: Lord, we pray for an end to the oppression and discriminatory policies forced on Palestinians by the Israeli authorities. Lord, in your mercy.
0: Hear our prayer. prayer.
1: The Methodist Church has sold its shares in the US-based company, Caterpillar citing as one of the reasons, the use of its equipment to destroy people's homes as part of the illegal occupation of the Palestinian territories.
12: Lord Jesus, we are encouraged when we hear that your body, the church, is taking a stand for justice and righteousness. Lord, in your mercy.
11: Hear our our prayers. For
1: Muslims, Ramadan, the month of fasting, comes to close. Um, to close this coming week, or came to close yesterday. During this month, there have been opportunities for young people in Jerusalem to share iftar, the breaking of the fast meal, including one hosted by Sabil on Tuesday, the twenty-seventh of April, at the Wujud Museum in the Old City. This event is considered part is considered part of a documentary project um, on Palestinian food. Muslims will celebrate Eid al-Fitr today, the 13th of May.
12: Lord, we give thanks for our diverse communities and ask that we may learn to reach out to one another with respect and trust. Lord, in your mercy.
0: Hear our prayer.
1: (coughs) Tensions continue to mount in Jerusalem and throughout the West Bank and Gaza, Amid, gro- amid growing anger over the planned evictions of Palestinians from Jerusalem homes on land claimed by Jewish settlers. On Saturday, the 8th of May, footage showed um, buses of Palestinian Muslim worshippers from Israeli Arab cities being stopped by police on the main highway to Jerusalem. Word of the roadblock spread on social media, drawing hundreds of young men from nearby Arab villages and from Jerusalem who drove their their own cars picking up worshipers who have started to uh, the uphill track on foot.
12: Lord, we give thanks for the resilience and creative nonviolence of the Palestinian people. We continue to pray that people will not abandon the hope for justice and equality in this troubled land. May our faith in your continuous presence continue to comfort the hearts and souls of those who decide to walk in your path. Lord, in your mercy,
0: hear our prayer.
12: We join with the World Council of Churches in their prayers for the countries of India, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. Lord, in your mercy,
9: hear, prayer. hear our prayers.
0: Let us take a few moments of silent prayer. Let's continue to pray for the end of the occupation of Palestine. Uh, And pray for a just peace in, uh, in Palestine, Israel. Remember all the wounded all the injured, especially the the children, all the people who have been killed, their families and friends. Let us pray for all the bereaved. Let us pray for leaders to work for a just peace in accordance with international law. Let us also pray for our families and friends for all the sick and the needy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Let us confess our sins against God and neighbor. Together we say, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Let us say the Lord's Prayer in our different languages. Habana al And let us rededicate and recommit ourselves to walking in love by saying together the Agape Creed. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not celebrate injustice, but rejoices in the truth. Love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopes, always endures. Love cannot be conquered. And together we say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.
1: Let us go in peace, love, and serve the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God.